Hey, thanks for joining us at Connection Point Church. You know, we would love for you to stay connected and a simple way for you to do that is to subscribe so that each week you can get notified when new content goes live. We'd also love to keep in touch with you throughout the week and the best way to do this is through our Connection Point Facebook page. Now with all that being said, let's go to this week's message from one of our guest speakers. I'll tell you man, I'm overwhelmed. I don't want to cry today. But... The Spirit of the Father is here. And I sense him, I hope you do. If you, if you don't know what that feeling is that you're experiencing right now, it's the presence of God. And it's why we believe that wherever his people are, he inhabits them. He's incarnate in us, amen? He's here this morning, and he has things in our lives to accomplish for his glory. Father, I love you. And I stand humbled here today. You are worthy of it all. I thank you for the call of God on this church. I thank you for the men and women and the young people and the young adults and the children who are experiencing this special place. Lord, not unto themselves, but unto the call that you have on their lives as individuals and collectively here. I thank you for the call of God on my life and my wife's life and our family. And I thank you that you are converging those calls in this moment in time. And Lord, I believe that you have things ahead that we've never dreamed of. Because the kingdom of God will advance. Your gospel will be preached and millions and billions will call on your name. And God, I'm just grateful that we get to be a part of that. I pray that you'd bless our time in your word this morning. Lord, I know, Holy Spirit, you can speak better than I can, so <laughs> through my words, I pray that you'd prick each of our hearts and that we would hear your voice. Tune our ear, God, to your voice. We thank you that you're faithful. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, prayer helps me not stop crying, so that's good. That's good. Uh, thank you so much uh, for your hospitality and your care and concern for my family and for us. Uh, it's been uh, a real delight and a real pleasure to have met so many of you. I look now and be like, I haven't met anybody, but... <laughs> But so many of you we have been able to meet. Um, you've been so kind to us and so gracious to us, and uh, we, we love you. Can I say that? We love you, and we love this church. We believe in the things that God has for this church going forward. I introduce my wife to you if you haven't met her. I asked her if she wanted to come up here, and she said no. So, <laughs> But I will make her stand and wave if you would, honey. And this is Amy.
And I have uh, seven of my wonderful children here. I think seven. Yep, seven of you here. Uh, Shiloh was brave and went to kids' church. And uh, I, said, I said, Shiloh, do you want to go to kids' church or sit in church with us? And she went, I don't know. Okay, well, she decided to go to kids' church, so she'll have a great time. Uh, and we have uh, Chloe and Eli, and I won't make you guys stand, but Chloe and Eli and Abby and Judah and Isaac and Naomi and Gabriel uh, here right here on the front row. And uh, I love you. This is you too. Thanks for being so gracious to mom and me and helping us follow God's call. Man, it's going to be a long morning. (laughs) If you have a Bible, I'd like you to turn to, is there like a certain place I shouldn't walk? Okay. I, I don't, don't want to walk. I'm a pacer, and I don't want to walk out of the frame. Uh, if you're watching online and you're not able to be here, I, I, I heard some folks are on spring break, and uh, I'm going on spring break on Saturday. Hallelujah. Glory to the Lamb. So enjoy your time away. Uh, you've been missed, I'm sure. Uh, but it's great to be here this morning. Turn in your Bible, if you have it, or the electronic device of your choice to John chapter 3. And uh, most of you, if you were raised in the church, will uh, be able to probably quote from memory the passage we're going to read this morning. Before we do that, I I just want to say the most popular commercial in recent years is a uh, commercial from uh, the government. (laughs) Sorry, that was a joke. Um, (laughs) And in this commercial, they've got uh, all these people talking about Childhood hunger. How many of you have seen that commercial? Do you, do you recall that at all? Do you know that every one of those people are, are composite AI images? They're not real people. When I heard that, it freaked me out. I thought I could watch TV or I could watch a movie uh, or any of those things, and I could be watching something that feels real, but it's all fake. Have you noticed that uh, there's a lot of fake in the world today? Anybody noticed that before? Uh, right now, we live in a culture where uh, we live, uh, our culture lives one life online and a totally different life offline. We have teenagers now that uh, have what they call spam accounts. And if you're a parent here, you might check, but spam accounts, uh, that's what Chloe told me they were called, on Instagram, uh, where they have a, 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 an account everybody can see, and then they have a hidden account that only them and their friends can see. And the real person is on the fake account and the one that everybody, you know, the selfies and, did you like that? Uh, the selfies and those things are on the fake account. And on the, on the fake account, they look good. How many of you try to look good on Facebook or social media? But their authentic self is hidden. I think about some of my favorite movies like, uh, the, the Avengers movies or Lord of the Rings, if you're, a, if you're a geek like me and you love Lord of the Rings and The Hobbit, me and my son Gabriel enjoy those. And it's, how many of you know it's all fake? It's all green screened. And if you Google those images, you see, uh, you see, you know, Gandalf standing there, you know, with this majestic mountain. But then they show you the real picture and he's standing on a plastic rock with a green screen behind it. And you're like, that's awfully disappointing. Uh, How many of you want the real thing? Give me the real thing. I like authenticity. I like what is real. 
When we come to John 3, we find a, a conversation Jesus has with a, with a man named Nicodemus. And Nicodemus is uh, a, a, a leader of the religious world, and he's, uh, he's, he, he knows all the stuff. He can quote all the things. He knows all the rituals. He gives his tithe. And, and, and what we see in Nicodemus is that something in his life was not complete, and he listens to this guy who just comes on the scene, probably listened to John before Jesus, but then Jesus comes on the scene, and, and, and he's intrigued by the things that Jesus begins to say and do. And he says to himself, I'm, I'm just, I'm, this is not in the Bible, I'm conjecturing, but he says to himself, self, there's something about that guy that is more real and more tangible and more, uh, more impactful than what I've lived my whole life. And so he's still a little bit fearful of the Jews and, and what it might cost him. And so he comes to Jesus under the cloak of darkness. And he says, Jesus, you got to tell me what all this stuff is about because there's truth in what you're saying. There's an authenticity in what you're saying. And whatever I've experienced over here has not been real. I think that we're in a place in our world right now where we don't know what is real and what is true and what is right and what is fake and what has been made up and what has been peddled to us. We're in a time where manipulation is a real issue. In fact, I think that we're in a place where we as people desire authenticity. We want to be real people in the world today, but there's a hesitancy to really show people who we really are. We hide behind our social media accounts. We hide behind what we think people want us to be. We go into rooms. We go. In fact, you know, in my job, I, my, my day job right now is uh, I work for our district office. And so I find myself in rooms full of important people, you know, full of people with clout and full of people who uh, pastor the big churches or lead the big organizations. And, and for a lot of my life, I'm like, well, who do I need to be in those rooms? Are you with me? If you live in that world, you know exactly what I'm saying. You, you, you're trying to figure out, you walk in the room and you're like, well, what do I need to be today? What, do I, what should I say today? What should I do today? How should I look today? And we begin to posture ourselves and posture our lives to be accepted by people we probably don't really like. Instead of just being who God has made us to be. People wear their masks. People come and pretend. Sometimes we allow unresolved conflict and offense to fester in our lives because to address those things would be painful. And so we put on the smiley face and pretend. Come on, am I telling the truth? It's tragic what has happened to our society and our culture in terms of authenticity. In fact, it, it, I would rather you just be who you are and tell me the truth so I know who you are than be something you're not. Here's the, here's the more tragic thing. It's the same thing that has happened to the gospel over the last 20 or 30 years. The gospel has been adulterated by our culture, by our need to impress people, by our need to make people like our churches or be more palatable to the world. And we have dismantled and reinvented the gospel into some form of the gospel that is inauthentic and unreal to what we find in the word of God. 
American and Western Christianity have led the way in this. And I'm not trying to throw stones at all the other churches and all the other pastors and all the other leaders out there, but I got a word for you, for us. The gospel is not a feel-good story with a happy ending. The gospel is not self-help so you can live your best life now. Gospel is not entertainment or spectacle or lights in a show to keep us on the edge of our seats. The gospel is not a theological point from which to argue our preferences. Here's a good one for you. The gospel is not a political position. The gospel is not Republican or Democrat or a worldview from which to argue your your ideas or your thoughts or it's not any kind of the American dream. That's not the gospel. The gospel is not a crutch for weak people to lean on. Friends, the gospel is transformation for our lives. The gospel is good news to a dying world full of nothing but bad news. The gospel is living for eternity. The gospel is for one king and one kingdom only. The gospel is the greatest story that's ever been told. The gospel is worthy of our greatest attention and our greatest efforts and our greatest passions. The gospel is eternal and has eternal, real consequences for us. And last, the gospel is authentic. It is real. It is powerful. It changes lives of those who believe. Amen? John chapter 3, verse 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever would believe in him would not perish but have everlasting life for God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world but to save the world. See, he didn't come to set up a religion He didn't come to set up pathways. He didn't come to set up entertainment. He came to save the world from their sins. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe stands condemned already because he's not believed in the name of God's one and only son. This is the verdict. Light has come into the world, but men love darkness instead of light because their deeds were evil. Everyone who does not does evil hates the light and will not come into the light for fear that his deeds will be exposed. But whoever lives by the truth comes into the light. And I love this last line, so that it may be seen plainly that what has been done has been done through God. It's not your genius. It's not your wisdom, it's not your pathway, it's not your plan, it's his plan, and it's what God has done for you and for me that makes the gospel so transformative and powerful for anyone, anyone who believes. I want to give you four marks of the gospel this morning from this passage. Just I want to remind us the power of the gospel and the reason that we preach it today and why we must stay close to the authentic gospel of Jesus. First of all, it's this. The gospel is God's love. For God so loved the world. It's the motivating factor. And I'm so thankful that it's not based on how, uh, how much my ability is or how good I am, aren't you? Aren't you glad that God didn't look down and say, ah, that guy can't handle it? No, he just said, I love that guy. I love that lady. I'm going to go to earth and pay the price that they might receive eternal life. The gospel's his love. He loved us so much that he sent his one and only son that whoever would believe in him 
Whoever would believe, like you don't even have to do anything, just believe. Why is that kind of love remarkable? It's not remarkable because God loves a world with so many people, nearing 8 billion people in this world today, and who knows how many since time began, but it's remarkable because God loves a world with so many wicked people that a holy God in whom there is no fault and there is no wickedness will look on you and me who by nature are objects of wrath and will say, you know what, I love them anyway. And look, when you go home today and you say something stupid to your wife and the Holy Spirit says, you shouldn't have said that. And you're like, God says, I still love you. When you fall into deep, dark sin, and unfortunately in my job, I'm often confronted with pastors and leaders who fall into sin. And we shake our head and we wonder why and we look for the holes in their life and the cracks in their life. Why didn't they finish the race? Why did they choose sin over, over righteousness? Why did they choose to abandon their calling? All those questions come up and we grieve and we mourn for those folks and things like that. And uh, we wonder, you know, how, how can we accept them back? Can we love them? And we're really good at pushing people like that away, aren't we? But God loves them. That's a remarkable love, and I'm thankful for his love. But here's the thing about his love. He doesn't love us just because. He won't send you flowers that say, just because. He's loving us towards something. He didn't just love us and then leave us. He loves us towards a destination, towards a purpose in our life. The three things I think he's, he's loving us towards, transformation. He wants to change your life. He wants to change your life. He loves you to transformation. He loves you towards redemption. He wants to redeem your life. Aren't you glad? He's the great redeemer, and there's no sin that's too great for God. And lastly, I think he wants to love you to authenticity. He wants to bring you to a place where you can be redeemed in God and transformed by God. So when you stand out into the world and you walk in some of those rooms or some of those classrooms or some of those workspaces or even just into your living room where your children are, you can be authentically you because God has changed everything about your life. That's the power of God. And that's the power of his love for us. 1948, just a few miles north of here in Gary, Indiana, my grandfather, a drunken sailor, he says he cussed like a sailor too, so he, he, was, he was a real sailor, went to a New Year's Eve service with his mother just to appease her. And at that New Year's Eve service around midnight, God reached down into my grandfather's life with a heart and of love and passion, not to just fix him, but to love him towards transformation. And I'll tell you that night, my grandfather gave his heart to the Lord and it changed my family tree. Can I just say, you first-generation believers, never underestimate how God in generations to come is transforming not just you, but the family tree that you're building going forward. He's changing everything because of his love. His love is powerful. I'm living it today. 
The gospel is marked by the authentic love of God. Second, I would say uh, in verse 17, we see Jesus tell us that the gospel is opportunity. And I would underline the word opportunity for life. It's opportunity for life. Why is that important? Because you don't have to take it. It's only an opportunity. He said, God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him so that whoever believes, whoever believes is not condemned, but whoever does not believe stands condemned already. God knew the world from the moment he created it that the world would be condemned. In fact, the world condemns itself. When we choose not to believe, we condemn ourselves to a life separate from God. As a, as a parent, I can kind of relate to the inner struggle of the father here. The, his love is vast and enormous, but sometimes his children do not choose his mercy and his grace and his love. We see the two sides of God often missing from inauthentic gospels. The inauthentic gospel would tell us that God loves you so much that he won't let anybody be condemned, but that's not true. I'll just tell you, there will be many who choose condemnation over salvation. He loves us, but he will also condemn us because he must condemn us. A holy God must stick to his mercy, but also his judgment. That's why it's important when you come to church and you engage in a spiritual life in, in, this, in your life, you don't get to just nibble around the edges a little bit here and there, how you feel about it and what you like about Christianity and push the other things aside. Friend, you've got to take all of it. You've got to swallow the whole Jesus pill. Because if you don't, you have an incomplete and inauthentic gospel, and you very well may miss the opportunity at life that Jesus offers us. But if you just believe, if you just believe, you'll be saved. But if you choose not to believe, someone would say, how could a loving God love to condemn well, that's easy. He doesn't. The Old Testament prophet of Ezekiel wrote in chapter 18, verse 22, do I take pleasure in the death of the wicked? Declares the sovereign Lord, do I take pleasure? Do I love that people choose condemnation? He says, rather, am I not pleased when they turn from their ways and live? Friend, if you're away from God, if you've not grabbed the opportunity at life, today is your day. Choose the life offered in the gospel. The third thing I want you to notice, the gospel is his love. The gospel is opportunity at life. And third, the gospel is light. This is a hard one for us. Jesus said, this is the verdict. In, in other words, this is the final say. This is the end. We're writing it in stone. It's the verdict. Light has come into the world, but men love darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. So everyone who does evil hates the light and will not come into the light for their deeds will be exposed. Why is this true? The light has been revealed on us. It's shown all around us. It shines in the crevices of our soul and our hearts. 
and the light of Christ comes in. Earlier, John wrote, he was the light that came into the world, but the world did not receive it. Why didn't we we receive it? Because there's darkness in us. Men love darkness. We love hidden things. We love inauthenticity. We love to, uh, to, to stay in the shadows. We would rather be in the shadows because it feels safer. See, the purpose of the gospel is to transform, but the purpose of darkness is to conceal and distort. It's how we justify staying in the dark and not confessing our sin, not dealing with ourself, not working out our own salvation, not processing through the things that God is leading in our heart because it's easier to fake it to everybody else and stay in the dark where nobody sees our heart. God is saying, the light shines in your heart. You might prefer darkness. You might prefer to stay in sin or to stay hidden or to stay inauthentic, but the light still shines. Sometimes we give God a little bit of our lives. We say, God, it's okay, you know, to shine a little bit of light over here, but can you just kind of stay away from this corner? Not comfortable with that corner. Been some things that have happened to me. Can you just stay away from that? Just shine it over here. And I think God is patient, don't you? And God says, okay, I'll shine the light over there, but I want to go over there eventually. You say, ah, not, not yet, God, not yet, God. Okay, I'll, I'll wait. I'll wait. I got eternity. I got a lot longer than you do. And as we, man, even moments like this morning as we worship the Lord together, in those moments, the Holy Spirit begins to nudge over just a little. He just kind of sneaks over a little bit more light. Why? Because he wants to rid us of all darkness. He wants to rid us of all darkness. It takes a lot less light than it takes darkness to cover light, right? One, if we turned off all the lights and lit a candle, there'd be light in this room. Light dispels darkness. So I think it makes us ask the question, what? of that darkness yet resides in your heart? What of the darkness have you held back from the light? What of the darkness that have, have you said to the Lord, I'm not ready to go to that place yet? I'm not ready to unpack that. I'm not ready to go back into what happened to me when I was a child. I'm not ready to go back and deal with that divorce. I'm not ready to go back and forgive and and move forward in my life. I'm not ready to deal with that sin that's been controlling my life. Nobody knows about it, but I'm not ready to deal, deal with it, God. Let's just stay over here. What of that darkness yet resides in your life that God is trying to lead you to transformation? And you're afraid, and I understand, you're afraid, man, if people find out or, you know, whatever, and God is saying, trust me, I want to heal it. And the great thing about the light of God is when it does shine, the darkness dissipates. And I believe in a redeemer like this, it's it's like it never was there. He shines light. The gospel is light. Lastly, The gospel is real living. 
The gospel is real living. Verse 21, but whoever lives by the truth, whoever chooses to walk by and live by the truth comes into the light. There's a boldness that comes with that. I'm reminded of Hebrews where the Bible says we can approach the throne of God even in our darkness with boldness because he's gone before us. We don't have to be afraid to come to God. We don't have to be afraid to apply the gospel to our life. We can come boldly before his throne and he'll give us the help and the mercy and the grace and the healing that we need because he's so faithful. And look, I've been there before too. I've been afraid at times to come into the light. I've been afraid to deal with things in my past. I've been afraid to do that. God, what if people find out how I really am? What if, what if all that gets exposed? What I've learned is God is profound in his faithfulness. God shakes off all of those fears and all of those worries and says, man, if you'll just trust me, if you'll let me shine that light into your heart, if you'll let me look in all those crevices, you'll live by the truth, you'll walk after me, you'll love me with all your heart and your soul and your strength and your mind, you'll love your neighbor as yourself. Can I I just say that's hard sometimes? Because neighbors are not heads. Uh, You should have laughed harder at that, but (laughs) neighbors are not heads. God says, if you'll come into the light, you will really live. And in fact, if you don't come into the light, you're not really living anyway. That's not real life. Come into the light. It's real life. Respond to the gospel. You've got to come all the way in, not partly in, to live. Why? Because it's only God who can do that work. I love the discipleship pathways at this church. But I'll tell you, some of those dark things in our life are not books that we read or classes that we take. It is profoundly God and only God. And you know what? He wants it that way, doesn't he? He wants it that way. He wants it to be known that what has been done through us has been done through God. Not through a mentor, not through a coach, not through a discipler. I think those are all important. But sometimes God needs to do such a work in our lives that it's only profoundly God and nothing else. It's profoundly God. Here's the verdict. Love the light and hate the darkness and you'll be saved. Hate the light and love the darkness and you will be lost. Isn't that the simplicity of the authentic gospel? If you love the light and hate the darkness, you'll be saved. If you hate the the light and love the darkness, you'll be lost. This is the true gospel. It's life or death. Light or darkness, hope or despair, transformation or brokenness, heaven or hell. And here's the thing, friends, you cannot have it both ways. I just read today in Joshua at the end of his life when he stood up in front of Israel and said, okay, guys, this is it. Are you going to follow God or are you going to go back to the gods of Egypt? What are you going to do? Choose you this day who you will serve. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. I wonder if you can make that declaration today. I wonder if 
there's darkness in your life, you would choose maybe today to walk into the light. Maybe if you realize that some of those things have gripped your life and you look around your life and you're frustrated by what you see and frustrated by some of the things that you do, that, that non-transformed part of you, and you get frustrated by that. Man, I want to live for God, but you're not willing to walk all the way into the light. So the life you're living is just a little, it's a little like this. I don't even know what the word is for that. So we'll just do an object lesson. <laughs> you're up and down and left and right. But God loved you so much that he gave his one and only son. And if you'd believe, if you'd come all the way in, if you'd stop nibbling around the edges, if you'd stop letting yourself get talked out of it, if you'd stop letting darkness reign in your heart, if you'd just believe, have eternal life. I'm going to ask you to close your eyes and bow your heads this morning. And I believe there's a moment that we come to in every service where there's a decision that needs to be made. Many of you have come in this morning and you are rejoicing at the authentic gospel because you're living it every day. It's applying to your life. You're walking with Jesus, man. He's moving in your heart and your life and you're just having a wonderful time living for God. But others of you have walked in this room today and if you're truthful with yourself, if you're honest with what's in your heart, there are things in the way between you and God. There's distractions. There's, there's darkness, if you will. And this morning... The Holy Spirit is calling you to come into the light. You say, but Pastor Jeff, I've been at this church for years and years, and if I do that today, it'll be like I'm just getting saved, but I've been doing this thing a long time. I get it, man. I get it. But it's not worth being condemned. It's not worth living untransformed. So heads are bowed and eyes are closed. Simple question. Are you here this morning and you'd, you'd be honest with the Lord and say, yep, I need to walk into the light. Well, I got a little bit of the light. I got a little happening in my life, but man, I know deep in my soul I need to walk all the way in. And just between you and the Lord, I'm not going to embarrass you or ask you to come forward or anything like that, but if that's you, just between you, me, and the Lord, so I can pray for you, just slip your hand up just quick. I'll thank you. 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 Others, dozens of hands. You know, you know why I say that? It means you're not alone, guys. This is us. Wherever you're sitting right now, if you raised your hand, if you didn't raise your hand, but you should have, I'm going to pray over you right now, but I want to challenge you one thing. Would you pray over yourself? I don't want you to just take my prayer for granted. I want you to express to God what you need him to change in your life. Don't do your spirituality through me. You do it yourself, and you tell God. That's why Jesus died, right, to make a way to the Father for everybody? Let's not waste that. So you pray under your breath. I, I encourage you to say it out loud, Jesus. Jesus, I know there's that one place I need to open to you. God, there's that one part of my life that I've held back. Help me. 
I want to give it to you today. Would you pray for yourself right now? Those in the room that didn't raise their hand, would you pray for your brothers and sisters right now as I pray? Father, thank you for those that lifted their hand. And God, profoundly, they're walking towards you today. God, they're taking that step to come into the life, to, to the life of God through the light of Jesus. And God, that's taking boldness and courage for them. Because some of them are having to shine light in places they've wanted to avoid. So Holy Spirit, I ask you right now to come beside them. I pray they would physically feel you beside them right now. Lord, that you would put your arm around them and tell them how much you love them, how proud you are of them, how much you care. And more than that, that they don't have to walk this next season alone, but you'll walk with them. People in this church will walk with them. If they come into the light, God, you'll, they'll never be alone again. Lord, I pray for divine courage and divine strength. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. I want to ask you to indulge me in one more thing this morning. Before we close, if I could get everybody to stand that can, can I get a, a little bit more house light? Is that possible? I don't even know what's possible yet. <laughs> can I say it this way? This gospel is incomplete unless we take it to others. It's an incomplete gospel even in our own life until we're taking it to our world, right? Are you with me? Love the Lord your God, love everybody else, but you better go into the world and teach them about me. There's two commandments. So I want us to spend just five or six minutes, I'm going to lead you in a prayer time for Greater Lafayette, for Tippecanoe County, 181,000 people live in Tippecanoe County and growing, probably by the day. We're going to help that, hopefully. Almost 90,000 of them have no relationship with any God. More than half. Do you know how many lost people you see every day? How many of you want to see them come to Christ? This church can do that, but only through him. So here's what I want to do. I don't know what your tradition is. I don't really care. I want you to get out of your seat if you're able. If you're not, by all means, stay right where you were at. But if you can, gather around the altars in the aisles. I want you to physically move, and I'm going to lead you in a, a short prayer, prayer time. Would you do that right now? Get you a spot. There's plenty of place on the altar. If you need to social distance or you're immunocompromised, anything like that, please take care of yourself. But those that can, can we gather? We're going to pray just a few points, and here's how we're going to do it. I'm going to prompt you to pray. I'm going to encourage you what to pray. How many of you know that when we just pray on our own, we're just praying our own agenda, maybe not God's agenda? How many of you know that? I want us to pray God's agenda today. How many of you know? How many of you want God's will, right? So I'm going to prompt you. Here's the rules. 
Just pray out loud, even if it's a whisper. If you've never done that before, I get it. It's weird, and you'll feel awkward. Get over yourself. Just, just it, if it's just like this, that's all right. I will pray louder than you, I promise. But I want you to pray with me, okay? Here's the first point. It's not by might. We won't reach 181,000 people by might or by power or by ingenuity or by wisdom or by a great worship team or by a great preacher or by a great system or whatever. We will reach it by the spirit of the Lord and nothing else. So here's what I want us to do. I want you to lift your hands and lift your voices and thank God that it's by his spirit. God, I thank you. It is not by might. It's not by our power. It's not because we're smart or we're wise or we've got it all figured out. God, it's not because of any of those things, but it's by the Spirit of the Lord. It's by the Spirit of God empowering your people to accomplish the mission of God. Thank you, God, that it's by your Spirit. It's dependent upon your power for greater Lafayette, God, for Tippecanoe County, for Benton County, God, for all the people around us who don't know you, for the university, God. Lord, so many to come to Christ. Lord, but it'll be by your spirit. It'll be by your spirit in Jesus' name. Now, would you ask him, ask him to put that spirit in you. Come on, ask him, Lord, put that spirit in me. Put that spirit, come on, lift your voice, would you? Put that spirit of God. Fill this room with prayer. Fill this room with prayer. God, put that spirit in me to go to my neighbors and my loved ones, to go to my school, God, to go to my workplace, to go to the, 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 the social clubs, God, and the golf courses, Lord, and all the places I find myself. Lord, that that spirit, that spirit that breaks the yoke of slavery would rest in me today, God. Put it on us. Put it on this church, God. Put it on this body to accomplish your word around the world. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. Next, I want you to thank God. I want you to thank God that there is power in the gospel for transformation. Can we thank him for that? Thank you that this gospel is a transformational gospel. Come on, be grateful for that. God, you've changed me. You've transformed my life, God. I'm not the same as I used to be because of the power of the gospel has changed my life. Thank you, God, for the transformational power of the gospel. Thank you that it's still working today. God, it's not lost an ounce of power. It's still active and mighty. It pulls down strongholds, God. Thank you, Lord, for the transformational power that's in the gospel in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Now let's ask God to transform us and to empower us to take that transformation to the world. Come on, let's ask him. God, empower us. Empower Jeff Carlson. Let the spirit of the sovereign Lord that rested on Jesus rest in me. It's the power that raised him from the dead. Thank you, Lord, that you're enduing us with power right now. You are releasing a fresh spirit of God upon the hearts and the lives of your people. God, you have a call on every life. You're speaking to them right now to take the gospel to greater Lafayette. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Now, I want you to praise God that he is the great redeemer. In this way, he can redeem anyone. Come on, he can redeem anybody. He can save anybody. 
God, you can save the Muslims around here. You can save those that are Buddhists around here. God, you can save the atheists around here. You can save those that have never heard of your name. You can lead them in prophetic power to you, God. You can save anybody who calls on your name. Thank you, God, that you are a saver. You are the redeemer. No one is out of your reach today. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Now ask him, come on, because he's able, ask him to redeem. If you've got family members who don't know the Lord, call their name right now. If you've got loved ones, call their name right now. Friends, people you go to school with, whatever, call their name. God, you can redeem them right now. Come on, lift it up to the Lord. Lord, you can redeem them right now. Wherever they're at, whatever they're doing, reach into their moment, speak to their heart, God. Begin to draw them with power to you. And then, God, use me. Use me, Lord. Use me, Lord. Use me, Lord. Use me, Lord, to take your gospel to this world, to greater Lafayette, to Tippecanoe County, to every one of those unreached people groups on the wall in the hallway. God, take us. Take Connection Point Church, God. We'll be the church, God, that goes if you'll send us. Send us, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Here's the last thing, the last one. Can we thank God that he is the light of the world? Can we thank God that he is the light of the world? Switch that screen, would you guys? That he's the light of the world. That's the last one. God, come on, thank him right now. He is the light that shines in darkness, God. Thank you that you are the light. You are the light that shines in darkness. Nothing can be hidden from you. Nothing is laid, covered over, God. But you shine in the darkness. You shine in the darkness, God. Thank you, God. Thank you that there's no darkness that's too dense or unpenetrable, God. But you can hit it in every single moment, God, to change lives. Thank you that you are light, that you are light, God. Now, come on, everybody in the room, lift your hands and tell the Lord to make you the light of the world. Come on, we are his hands and his feet. We are his mouthpiece. We are his people. Make me the light of the world. Come on, I want you to be selfish and pray for yourself. God, make Jeff Carlson the light of the world through the power of the gospel, through the power of the light of God. Make me the light of the world everywhere I go, to my family, to my friends, to my loved ones. God, to the university. God, wherever I step my foot, it is your territory. And the light is walking into the darkness, God. Lord, let us be anointed with the light that penetrates the darkness for your glory, 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 for your glory. Come on, lift your hands for his glory. For your glory, God, not for us, not to us, but to your name, 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 God. The authentic gospel of Jesus Christ be preached to every tribe and tongue and people and nation for your glory, for your praise, for your honor, God, for your honor, for your honor. Thank you, Lord. I ask the worship team to close with this song, Greater Things Are Yet to Come. Greater things are yet to be done in this city. Because it's not just about the church, right? It's about this city. 
It's about Purdue University. It's about Tippecanoe. It's about this whole thing. Greater, we've not seen anything yet. We've not seen anything yet of what God wants to do. He is faithful. Jesus, thank you for your faithfulness. Thank you for your power. Thank you that greater things are coming. Lord, things to transform, things to change, things to work miracles for your glory and for your praise. And God, I promise you, we'll never care who gets the credit. We'll never care who gets the credit. We will give it all to you. We will give all glory to you. In Jesus' mighty, mighty name, amen.